The lesson is from 2 Kings, chapter 5. Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Aram, was a great man and in high favor with his master, because by him the Lord had given victory to Aram. The man, though a mighty warrior, suffered from leprosy. Now the Arameans, on one of their raids, had taken a young girl captive from the land of Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, If only my lord were with the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. So Naaman went in and told his lord just what the girl from the land of Israel had said. And the king of Aram said, Go then, I will send a letter to the king of Israel. He went, taking with him ten talons of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten sets of garments. He brought the letter to the king of Israel, which read, When this letter reaches you, know that I have sent to you my servant Naaman, that you may cure him of his leprosy. When the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to give death or life, that this man sends word to me to cure a man of his leprosy? Just look and see how he's trying to pick a quarrel with me. But when Elijah, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, he sent a message to the king. Why have you torn your clothes? Let him come to me, that he may learn that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and chariots and halted at the entrance of Elijah's house. Elijah sent a messenger to him, saying, Go, wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored, and you shall be clean." But Naaman became angry and went away, saying, I thought that for me he would surely come out and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and would wave his hand over the spot and cure the leprosy. Are not Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters in Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? He turned and went away in rage. But his servant approached him and said to him, Father, the prophet had commanded you to do something difficult, would you not have done it? How much more when all he said to you was, wash and be clean? So he went down and immersed himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the word of the man of God. His flesh was restored like the flesh of a young boy, and he was clean. The word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. There's an odd little detail of this story, and one that I keep thinking about. When Naaman is eventually healed of his leprosy, the story says that his flesh was restored like the flesh of a young boy, and he was clean. Why is his flesh restored to a young boy? Wouldn't it be more likely that it would be restored to his own healthy skin? Strange, isn't it? Kind of weird. It sounds a bit like a sales pitch you would hear on an infomercial for expensive skin cream. Use this product for six weeks and your face will look like a 25-year-old again. But it makes us wonder what exactly happened to Naaman. Now, you probably have heard this story before. I know we have focused on it several times over these last falls. 
Naaman, a powerful army commander whose life is established and accomplished, is also sick. He has leprosy, a skin disease. A young slave girl captured in warfare is now serving Naaman's wife. And this young girl knows about Naaman's illness, and so she talks about a prophet in her homeland, a prophet who can heal. Naaman's wife passes along this message, and he decides to go and find this healer. Naaman must leave his place in the palace, his secured world in search of this prophet. And once he leaves his known world, the path is not straight, it's not easy, it's not fast. There is a succession of people he encounters on this journey. Did you count them all? There are also delays and interruptions. His expectations are blown up and requests are made for things he just doesn't want to do. He is the commander of the army, for goodness sake. Give him a difficult challenge, something that requires a strategic mind and valor. Please do not waste his time dealing with people he would never choose to encounter or with requests that seem useless and degrading, like immersing himself seven times in the dirty water of the Jordan. But he has no other options. Eventually, he agrees to the outlandish requests and succumbs to the crazy path that brought him to that place. In the moment of surrender, when he enters the Jordan River, we hear, his flesh was restored like the flesh of a young boy, and he was clean. I found a pop-up sponge this week in my kitchen drawer. Um, I don't know, have you guys used these before? Um, they're portable, and they kind of stay clean till you use them. And you submerge them in water. There it goes. You submerge them in water. And they become, I think, what they're supposed to become. They become a sponge. But what caught my eye when I did this at home were all the tiny little holes in the sponge. Each hole fills with water, and then in a way that sponge is restored to its intended shape and purpose. I couldn't stop thinking when I used my sponge this week that maybe Naaman was the dried sponge, and what he really needed was for each of his pores to be filled, to be healed. It's like each of those people he encountered was leading him on, filling a hole, and he absorbed what they had to give, which eventually led to his healing. What is so amazing and powerful in this story is the use of that word young that can seem bothersome. His restored young flesh is the same young word 
to describe that enslaved girl who has the guts to mention the possibility of healing through the prophet Elisha. You see, Naaman's skin was not only healed, his faith was restored to that of a young child. The faith of a child, open and willing to trust, to see hope and to name what is possible. It was like Naaman was brought to God and his faith was transformed. And then he was restored to see this vast community of people who had contributed to his healing. He then realized he had become a person who had something to give now to someone else. Now I wish that was all there was to this story, but there's more. This story has moved into my life. Over the last six weeks, my dad's Parkinson's disease has progressed rapidly, so much so that he's still hospitalized now, trying to determine the prognosis of this most difficult disease. My family, like many of you, is now changed, and we're faced with decisions about my dad's health and his care. Our life as we know it has shifted, and we are acutely aware that we need to leave the comfort and stability of our palace, our established routines, in search of healing. It has been a crazy, unstable time. We have encountered more people than we knew ever possible and we have navigated the tangled paths of healthcare and referrals, of waiting and medication and insurance. Now I know that my dad will not miraculously be cured of his Parkinson's disease, but we have a fa as a family have slowly to begun to experience healing through an amazing community of people many of which we would have never expected to meet. Each one has shared something to fill our dried sponge with love and care and hope. In the midst of all this, my faith has been tested, and in a way, I am called back to be like that young girl, to trust in the midst of this unknown future to name the healing power of God, and to dare to trust in what he can do. But it's like going back to the baby steps of faith, trusting in God's presence in the agony and tears, and knowing that his grace is incarnate through people and events. And along the way, me and my family have been called into community. Now, I have to be honest, it would have been much more comfortable to stay where we were. But this unanticipated journey, we have noticed new things. A vast community, people of peace who have come so near to us, have given of themselves, and have led us to the next thing. 
Now, I was leading our new member class last Sunday, and I kept thinking about how can I articulate what Mount Olivet is all about? How do I express what community is here at our church? How can I point to the difference it makes to believe that God is the center of who we are? How can I clearly express why this church matters? What difference does it make that we worship together, that we share together bread and wine, that we pray together, that we allow ourselves to be known to each other, that we are community? It seems so outlandish, but God calls each of us to give of ourselves to be a part of healing to others. And then through this amazing network of people, restoration happens. Faith is renewed. Healing begins in ways we could not anticipate. Now, with each and every one of these Bible stories this year, we're talking about what it means to be called. And in this story, it's about a call into community. And here at Mount Olivet, that means that all of us are part of that community, but it also includes people who may not be members of our church, but who too are about God's work. They are connected to us in a community of Christ. God is that big. And so we are called to notice them and join with them in the process of giving and receiving God's healing. It's a reminder of how we need each other. And in naming our own vulnerability and our needs, we are brought into a community and we can experience God's presence, his care, and his love through other people. Like Naaman, our dry sponges are filled with grace, and we are ever being brought back to the young center of faith once again. It's an ongoing life of faith, you see. Where has this story been lived out in your life? Where do you see it happening here at Mount Olivet? What a gift this community is to me and for so many others. May God continue to restore our faith and our lives through his grace and through community. I want to end today with a prayer from the daily text, which came on Friday and I think speaks so beautifully to us this day. Gracious Lord Jesus, you are closer than our breath. Your Holy Spirit lives inside of us. Focus our hearts and our thoughts on you each moment so we can live in peace. Flow through our being and bring healing to those who we touch today. May they have an encounter with you, the living God. Amen.